Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Oncology Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Rosenthal. Today's episode is the second in a series of three and features Dr. Rebecca Heiss, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Mass General Hospital in Boston, and Dr. Helena Yu, Associate Attending at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. In this series, they will be discussing new clinical trial data on the use of HER3 targeted therapy for patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer, including recent data presented at the 2023 European Society of Medical Oncology Annual Congress held in Madrid, Spain. This episode is part of a larger educational program entitled Congress to Clinic, Continual Evolution of HER3 Targeting in Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer with Expert Perspectives on Clinical Advances and Practical Application. For more information on Dr. Heist and Dr. Yu, along with a link to the complete program, including a downloadable slide set, please visit the show notes for this episode. If you haven't already, please listen to the first installment where Dr. Yu talks about the rationale for her three targeted therapy in non-small cell lung cancer. And now let's get started with our second installment with Dr. Yu and Dr. Heist walking us through some key data on specific HER3 targeted agents currently being explored. Hi everyone. And so now to talk about ongoing trials with a specific ADC, patritumab can The other name for it is HER3-DXD. So, Pat-Derek-Stecan has a monoclonal antibody against HER3 patritumab um, that is linked to a cytotoxic payload, which is a topoisomerase 1 payload. And when we think about ADCs and eventual resistance to ADCs, that could be partly related to resistance to the antibody, but it also could be related to resistance to the payload or the chemotherapy. And this becomes relevant because different ADCs that are also in clinical development, including trope 2 ADCs, MET ADCs, they often use similar um, class payloads, perhaps might not always be able to be used sequentially. So initially, there was a phase one dose-finding, dose-escalation study of petrotumab derextecan. The majority of patients did have tumor shrinkage, primarily exon 19 deletions and L858R mutations. Uh, were enrolled, and it did seem to be effective against both those mutations, but also some of the atypical mutations. Most of these cancers did express HER3, and that there wasn't a clear correlation with partial responses or degree of shrinkage based on HER3 expression. And so that phase one study led to a confirmatory registrational phase two study of petrotumab derextecan, the Herthina Lung 01 study and this took patients that had EGFR mutant non-small cell lung cancer, and they had to have had prior treatment with a EGFR TKI, a third generation inhibitor, and also prior treatment with a platinum-based chemotherapy. So it was in the third line setting after chemotherapy and after targeted therapy, where they received the 5.6 milligram per kilogram every three-week dose. Primary endpoint of the study was overall response uh, by Bicker. So independent uh, radiologic review. The confirmed overall response rate was 29.8%. The median duration of response was 6.4 months, median PFS uh, 5.5 months. Again, the majority of patients did have clinical benefit with having some shrinkage of uh, their disease. And then the response rate seemed pretty similar amongst cancers that had different uh, mechanisms of resistance to prior third-generation TKI. Uh, we retrospectively looked at HER3 expression 
And when dividing patients into responses, complete or partial responses, stable disease, or progressive disease, there really did not seem to be a separation where we saw um, higher H scores of HER3 expression in the responders versus the non-responders. So really, HER3 expression does not seem to be a good biomarker for HER3DXD. In terms of safety, um, I always remind my patients that ADCs are chemotherapy or chemotherapy-like, and so you do see cytopenias and nausea. You can see some alopecia, uh, but nausea, fatigue. The cytopenia seem to be uh, mostly present in the first few cycles and then seem to uh, resolve with time. Important class effect toxicity is interstitial lung disease, ILD or pneumonitis. That rate for this agent was 5.3%. We tend to see this with a lot of the ADCs, and these rates of ILD can go as high as 15 or 20% when looking at other ADCs like HER2-DXD, trastuzumab, can. So patients with EGFR mutant lung cancer, about half of them will ultimately develop CNS uh, metastases. And so understanding the CNS efficacy of these novel targeted therapies becomes increasingly important. And we look specifically at patients that had brain metastases um, that did not have prior radiation. So these would be measurable target lesions within the CNS, wanting to understand the intracranial efficacy of HER3DXD. Um, and you patients with non-radiated measurable baseline brain metastases, the overall response rate uh, intracranially was 33.3%. So pretty similar to uh, the systemic overall response rate. And so that is what you want to see when there is a drug that is at least as active in the CNS as it is um, systemically. And duration of response looks to be pretty long at 8.4 months. And then another metric that helps us understand how effective a drug is in the CNS is understanding sites of first progression. Um, so on a targeted therapy, do patients primarily have CNS progression, non-CNS progression, or a combination of both? And progression in the brain occurred as first area of progression in about 21% of patients in patients with brain metastases, and actually only 3% in patients without a history of brain metastases. So the majority of progression seen on HER3DXD was um, non-CNS progression. And so in terms of ongoing studies with HER3-DXD, there is this confirmatory randomized study that is actually looking at patients with EGFR-activating mutations, but patients who only received EGFR-TKIs as prior therapy, and then randomizing patients to either HER3-DXD or platinum-based chemotherapy. And, and it's a one-to-one -one randomization. And the primary endpoint of this study is PFS by um, independent radiologic review. There is a preference or a desire to continue EGFR TKIs um, with new targeted therapy or with chemotherapy, in particular when patients have um, a compartment of disease such as CNS disease that's stable um, with growing systemic disease. You know, can we continue the osimertinib um, and add in novel targeted therapies? And so there is also a study looking at HER3DXD plus osimertinib, um, and that's being looked at. Um, in the second line and beyond setting. And then there's also a core of patients that are getting HER3DXD with osimertinib as first-line treatment. And the primary endpoint being response rate by Bicker. And this study is ongoing along with the randomized phase three study. And so if anyone has been paying attention to the EGFR space over the last six months, it's been increasingly uh, complicated where we have now newer treatments, uh, combinations with osimertinib in the first-line setting, like Flora 2 with chemotherapy, 
We have emivantamib and lizertinib studies in the first-line study setting and beyond. But I think when thinking about HER3-DXT and how that will fit, um, the initial assessment really was post-osimertinib, post-chemotherapy, whether given sequentially or combined. But there are some studies looking to bring that earlier, be it before chemotherapy or even in the first-line setting. So a lot of moving parts in the treatment landscape uh, for EGFR mutant lung cancer. Great. Thank you guys for listening. I'll hand it over to Becca to discuss novel other therapies. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Uh, so uh, I will be talking about uh, emerging treatment options in the HER3 space. And um, here we'll review some of the uh, drugs that are currently uh, relatively early on in development. Um, and we'll review some of the data that have been presented so far. So BLB01D1 is an EGFR and HER3 bispecific ADC. We saw data for this drug presented recently at ESMO um, from this phase one dose escalation and expansion study. This was a study testing this bispecific ADC in a variety of different solid tumor types, including in lung cancer, both EGFR wild type and, B and EGFR mutant lung cancer. And uh, we saw response rates in all comers with non-small cell lung cancer. There are about 102 patients um, with non-small cell enrolled so far in this phase one study. The confirmed response rate in this population was 39.2%. And in the subset of patients with EGFR-mutated non-small cell lung cancer, about 40 patients uh, with EGFR-mutated lung cancer in the study so far. And here, the confirmed response rate was 52.5%. We had learned from uh, results presented at ASCO on this study that uh, most of these patients had had prior third-generation TKI, and most had also had prior platinum chemotherapy. And the safety data for this drug that's been reported so far, there are cytopenias seen with um, uh, this class of drugs in general. We also see side effects relating to the GI system, such as uh, nausea and vomiting and diarrhea as well as asthenia and decreased appetite. Overall, the rates of adverse events associated with uh, dose reductions was about 14%. Uh, one grade to ILD was observed with this study. Another HER3-targeted antibody drug conjugate, SHRA2009, in currently a dose escalation study with the plan to expand in various cohorts. And these are data in advanced solid tumors, which were all included in this uh, phase one study. The overall response rate for all solid tumors, about 25%. And if you look specifically at patients with non-small cell lung cancer, this is about 30 patients, an overall response rate of 30% with a median duration of response of about seven months. Among the patients with non-small cell lung cancer, the vast majority had an EGFR mutation um, and had had um, prior EGFR TKI, with again, the majority having had prior third-generation agents. ILD occurred in almost 5% of patients. Um, thus far, no DLTs have been seen up to the 10.5 mg per kg Q3 week dose level, but we see a, a similar kinds of toxicities. We see uh, um, cytopenias, uh, GI toxicities, uh, and again, a small but measurable rate of ILD. SIB001 uh, is an EGFR HER3 bispecific antibody. This is uh, data from a multicenter open-label phase two study. In this study, patients with EGFR and ALK wild-type lung cancer were put into various cohorts um, in terms of SIB001 being given in combination with various chemotherapies. This included platinum-based chemotherapy and cohort A, as well as um, docetaxel and various um, 
uh, lines of treatment in cohorts B and C. Here, I think the most interesting cohort here and what's been reported so far has been cohort B in the second line setting in combination with docetaxel, where we see a response rate of 31% and a disease control rate of 71%. In terms of the safety data so far with this, um, cytopenias can be seen, uh, various other side effects such as rash and mouth ulceration, GI effects as well. And um, the most frequent treatment-related adverse events that were grade three or higher tended to be myelosuppressive events. There is an ongoing study of this drug um, in combination with osimertinib. And then xenocotuzumab, um, and this drug is a bispecific antibody against HER2 and HER3 that blocks NRG1 and prevents HER2, HER3 dimerization. Uh, and we heard presented at ESMO just recently um, results of the combined NRG study, which is an ongoing global phase one to two open label study, as well as the early access program, uh, the primary endpoint of, of overall response by investigator assessment. And in these results, we saw that in um, patients with lung cancer with NRG1 fusions, the overall response um, among 78 patients shown at 37.2% with a clinical benefit rate of over 60%. There were no discontinuations of drug due to treatment-related adverse events. The most common treatment-related ad treatment adverse events with the most common grade three or higher being diarrhea um, and other side effects such as nausea, vomiting, various cytopenias. So key takeaways, HER3 is an active target of investigation in several uh, cancer types. Uh, the ability of HER3 to heterodimerize with multiple partners, uh, may allow it to contribute to resistance to targeted therapies, most notably in the EGFR space with resistance to EGFR TKIs in lung cancer. There are multiple therapies that are in clinical development. Um, Patritramab duroxican, which is a HER3-targeted ADC, probably is the furthest along in terms of development and the clinical trial data that have been presented so far. BLB01D1, which is an EGFR HER3-bispecific ADC. SIB001, an EGFR HER3-bispecific antibody. Xenocotuzumab, a HER2, HER3 bispecific antibody, and SHRA2009, a HER3-targeted ADC. I think this really is a small list of drugs that have been presented so far, but really this is a burgeoning field where we anticipate much more to come in the, um, in the near future. Thank you very much, Dr. Yu and Dr. Heist, for your key takeaways on the current data with HER3-targeted therapy in non-small cell lung cancer. And thanks to you, the listeners, for joining us. As a reminder, you can go back and listen to the first installment in this series to hear more about the rationale for exploring these agents. And stay tuned for the final installment to learn more about how to manage adverse events associated with these agents. To view the full program, Congress to Clinic, Continual Evolution of HER3 Targeting in Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer with Expert Perspectives on Clinical Advances and Practical Applications, and to download a highlight slide set including the various studies associated with this discussion, please click on the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening.